0: Washington Clarence Southwest eighty five zero four. Southwest 8504. Mark, right, do you have our uh, flight plan on, or do we need to uh, have a dispensary file for it? Hello and welcome to TeleRotor RC. This is episode six, titled "Hobby Room Workbench and Tools." This is Robert Monty, and with me I have uh, Michael Shaggy Parker.
1: What's
2: up?
0: And, uh, Mike, uh, Sleepy DiPaolo.
2: Yep, it's late night.
0: So, let's go with uh, what you did since the last episode was recorded. Who wants to go first? Well, don't everyone jump up and down at the same time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I flew a jet and a bunch of nitro, that's basically it. The rest is stuff I can't talk about.
0: How many gallons of that nitro did you fly, Mike? Two. Nice. Cool. Uh, Shaggy?
2: You just disappeared again. Damn. This Walmart internet is severe tonight.
0: Well, I'll continue on with myself and maybe he'll pop back in. Uh, so, it's been about two weeks since we last recorded. I know, uh, last weekend, or, or not, yeah, not this last weekend, the weekend before, uh, I went to Cabin Fever, but before that, you know, we had the storm roll through the northeast here, lost uh, power for a couple hours, posted some stuff on Facebook. That was some fun conversations. Um, I replaced uh, I replaced the thrust bearings of my model uh, under <laughs> under a uh, camp light like I use at the flying uh, fields where we don't have any lights at. And uh, they're my right upstairs my house, is powered off the generator I usually take to the field. Worked out pretty well. But uh, yeah, uh, took my models down to Cabin Fever. It was very windy. Yeah, I heard. <laughs> uh, I always enjoy that field. They got a great place. Sadly, the wind was right in our faces.
2: Uh, Weather's been, frankly, just c- complete crap in the East Coast for the past <laughs> month. Actually, longer. This, this last weekend was the first good one we've had in a while.
0: Yeah. I. Though know, the crazy thing is today is March twelfth. Uh, we had snow in the forecast, and I did see it snow today. Yeah. it wasn't any accumulation, but yeah, Mother Nature's uh, bipolar.
2: <laughs> it snowed Saturday morning, too, at Thornburg.
0: Yeah.
1: It was accumulating here. Not much, and then once it stopped, it melted. Nice. Sad
2: face. Uh, frankly, I even looked out of the window. I've been back in design mode here, living under a rock.
0: Yeah, my I, I make a purpose to open the windows.
2: I was in my,
1: I was in my basement all day.
0: But, um, yeah, uh, went down to cabin fever, saw the North Carolina guys, uh, or most of them. Uh, a few of them couldn't make it out. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, there were some guys who were definitely flying like it all goes home in a garbage bag. <laughs> uh, not too many planes came out. Um, I got a couple flights, did a couple autos. The wind was strong enough, the autos weren't, uh, The audios were were on the fence of not being fun. I had to push the model out quite a bit because the wind was so strong, trying to blow it in over past me.
2: Those are always a good time. Yeah.
0: um, But, you know, it's funny things. Listen, a lot of the... Fly a kite! (laughs) Yeah, you know, uh, 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 probably should get a kite, but... um,
2: Casey got one.
0: He did. He did at Vegas, of all places, (laughs) at the funfly. He wanted it at the (laughs) funfly.
2: We haven't flown it yet. Oh, wow. It's still just sitting in the clubhouse.
0: So, uh, yeah, flew down there, caught dinner with, uh, caught dinner with my friends and, uh, headed back north, uh, headed back north after cabin fever on Saturday, Sunday. I flew at, uh, I flew at the home field, um, got a few flights in and then, uh, this week, yeah, this week, um uh, yeah, got out on Saturday, got, uh, got three flights in the day and three flights at night. Uh, it was funny. We had a wedding at our field on Saturday. And uh, the whole backfield was set up with, you know, chairs and all sorts of other things. Uh, uh, or Not Christmas lights, but just normal white bulbs on, on string lights set up between poles. And all the chairs were picked up and everything. So I found myself doing auto rotations into the reception area, which is our normal flying field. <laughs> At one point, I had, to, I had to dodge a tiki torch and use some positive collective during an auto.
2: <laughs> the nice part about that backfield is it still has the... All our old plane guys still think that it's all torn up from us installing the septic field. Yeah. Yeah, so they're, like, terrified to go back there. You never have to worry about it.
0: Yeah, it's, uh...
2: Well, the fun one was, they watched me take the little jet back there, and they freaked it. Like, I had three guys come back there and tell me that I was stupid, and I was going to rip the landing gear out of my jet. And my response to that was, yeah, I just walked out ten feet, and I'm landing where there's not giant rocks. It's not difficult. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah um past that i uh i did get a flight on a special model that uh, I will not name um i'm uh
1: i hate you so much
0: I really do miss flying uh uh six hundred class you know six hundred or fifty five uh fifty five uh, engine on six hundred blades I really do miss it and looking forward to uh doing some more
1: dude everybody's gonna know what you did and I hate you
0: you're gonna have to take your hate and go see a therapist,
2: yeah man. <laughs> Never. Never. This is probably um, a good time to mention at PSA about check valves being moody and sometimes you get unlucky. I was <laughs> still salty about that.
0: Uh, is that the hour long is that is that the true cause of our hour long phone call?
2: Yeah, it's starting to look like it. I thought uh, I did something stupid and then I took a check valve apart. Uh, and uh, that's too bad. It wouldn't open. That's pretty salty <laughs> about that.
0: That's too bad. Original check valve or brand new?
2: Original, but it had been rebuilt before I put the motor away. But it had been mm. sitting for over a year. It's like a long time. Yeah. The
1: spring was original, though. Oh, uh, I'm taking a guess that bad check valve caused the engine not to start properly. Because I had oh, that
2: problem. Oh, worse. But.
0: <laughs> uh, what else was I doing? Oh, oh. Hey, remember uh, our Saturday evening uh, maintenance, Mike?
2: Yeah, sizing ball links and 20 weather. Oh,
0: <laughs> you know, uh, the fun thing is uh, Matt purposely leaves the links on the Synergy tighter than most every other manufacturer out there so that you can size them to your conditions. Um, for those of us who fly in... Extremes, so I'll fly, I'll fly a, a short bit, build it a short bit below freezing, and come the summer, I'll f- also fly above ninety degrees. So I'll, I'll probably keep an eye on it, but I may end up with two sets of ball links—a summer set and a winter set. Um, keeps the servos a lot happier, and also makes all the tuning a lot easier.
2: Unless you like shakes.
0: Unless you like shakes.
2: <laughs> you can usually get pretty close. If you hit like a 35 degree to 70 degree Fahrenheit range, you can usually get a happy range.
0: Yeah, I figure it'll be happy. It just comes down to some of those more extreme, you know, July or August days.
2: Yeah, like if you try to size for 10 degree wind chill or something insane like that and then go to 100 degrees in the desert, you'll probably get slop. But otherwise, it's usually safe. Yeah. You just got to be careful not to get too Hulk Hogan on it.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, so it size the ball links that helped out quite a bit with the model. What else was there going on?
2: Besides the wedding. Besides
0: the wedding. <laughs> we had our own little miniature no-tam for pilots on our field. Everyone had to stop flying for a moment, except for two multi-rotors doing wedding footage.
2: Which was promptly destroyed the moment the moment I was allowed to fly something. Jet! <laughs> <laughs> yes!
0: I don't know how you did it, DiPaolo, but you dumb-thumbed a freaking DJI Phantom.
2: Oh. Yes. Turns what? out, every Dude. every drone I've Dude. ever flown, when you get the thing on the ground, it's either a throttle hold switch, or you do the same the lockout maneuver where you bring the stick center. Yeah, I've never touched. Uh, I know. I've never did. touched a non. I guess you could say. Um, I've never touched a quote-unquote stupid-proof DJI product in my life before. <laughs> and I was basically handed the thing, and. Uh, Casey was trying to walk me through it and said, Now bring the sticks down. And I'm like, Okay. And, well, that backflipped it. <laughs> and it was, it was fine, but this was immediately after he had just told me, This one's the professional one. I'm like, What's the difference? It's like, well, this one has a bunch of extra stuff and it costs like $600 more. I'm like, Oh, cool. Yeah. And I backflipped it. Fine. That was great. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, the things are designed for hornroom glasses, hipsters to be bouncing them bouncing. off of buildings in New York. So they're pretty tough, looks like. Yeah,
0: they're meant for professionals, Mike.
2: Professionals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Or or in our favorite truck, GM commercial, it's commercial grade. Or it's professional grade. God. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> commercial grade.
2: <laughs> it can handle a fall from two feet. You know, like, a small tangent, I'm still amused at all of the, we still make everything out of steel coming from Chevy, which... Honestly, it just sounds like them trying to do damage control that they haven't figured out how to do aluminum panels right.
0: Well, I mean, there was the Chevy Plastilanch.
2: Oh yeah, in case you got one of those. <laughs> the new ones are pretty good, seems if like. If there's
0: anything you need made out of plastic, uh Chevy's a good stop.
2: Don't get me started.
0: But, you know, I uh a friend of mine's got a 2500, you know, heavy-duty uh diesel and uh that truck's nice. I, 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 I drive it, I drive it.
2: <laughs> Chevy products are hit and miss. It's like some helis. It's like sometimes, even in the same brand, you might run into one heli being bomb-proof, magical, you know, fly it through a bush and it keeps going, you're like, this is great, I don't even care anymore. And then, two sizes up or down, you might run into something that's just an absolute turd. might even yeah. be like one year apart in design, but someone else did it, or the guy designing it decided to get too crazy, or maybe you just got lucky.
0: <laughs> the guy making the blueprints fell asleep.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that they just size up the, the plans, which is perfect for maybe a one size, but
2: terrible for the next size up. That's an airplane thing. We shouldn't apply that to helis.
0: It works pretty well for the Toyota Camry and the Toyota Camry and the Toyota Sienna.
2: Yeah, right. I like replacing <laughs> my tires every 60K or less. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I'm just talking about the no... Uh, no-style front-end of that Toyota.
2: Oh, yeah. It's a brick.
0: It is. No, it's a fine-driving vehicle, and it holds its value well, but... A nautical
2: experience is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen another company find such a way to have such a stiff ride and still get all that body roll in there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was the way my Lexus IS300 was.
2: Toyota's good at that for some reason. I don't know. Maybe they got better. I hope. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, hey, uh, Shaggy, what'd you do in the in the since the last recording?
1: Uh, way too damn much, that's for sure.
0: Well, let's give us the hi- hi- highlights, dude.
1: Top three interesting things.
0: Highlight reel.
1: All right. Uh so I did this and that and the other thing, and then I finished into today, and then we're good. All right, is that good enough for you? All right. Perfect. Okay. All right, well, sure. uh, we're not <laughs> not done yet. So, uh, about last week. I actually finally got one of those Spectrum uh, 4649T uh, telemetry receivers, and I stuck it on my Goblin 420. Finally, I've been wanting to get those things for a very long time, and I finally got one, uh, bought it used off of the forms, got it for dirt cheap price, and uh, slapped it on there, and had to update the firmware on that, update the firmware on my DX9, which I don't not really fond of doing. I'm not fond of updating firmwares because i old school and stuff like that, and I just don't like doing that. Uh,
0: Computers are evil.
1: Uh, I went ahead and did it. Uh-huh. Uh, luckily, everything works. Everything still works. It didn't do... Uh, I'm not going to mention it, but it didn't do what a certain thing did and cause certain thing to fly away. So, everything's good. <laughs> well, that's unfortunate. That yeah. was
0: nothing to do with Spectrum.
1: Uh, yes, yeah. but I'm, I'm not mentioning anything about but, uh, but that. But uh, everything worked. So got that on there, and as spent most yeah. of the day just trying to read about it and learn how to do it and everything. Uh, found out that my Hobbo-Wing 100 amp V3 speed control is not compatible. It's not compatible at all. So with the telemetry, it doesn't. It doesn't. Teleme- it doesn't send out uh, ESC uh, voltage or or RPM or anything like so, that. So
2: wait, wait, wait. Did you get the uh, the little one, the 60 V4?
1: No, and my four twenty is the V three hundred amp.
2: Oh yeah, the V four is the only one with telemetry. And actually, if I remember right, the small V four yes doesn't also not yeah. do telemetry except no. sixty amp
1: and smaller. Sixty amp and smaller. So my fireball won't be able to do it, which sucks. Uh, only it's like the eighty amp uh, V four is and up. But the the fly fund, the V five fly funds are um compatible. And hey, fun
2: story about those. Uh-oh. Uh oh. I think it was Atomic Skull on Hilly Freak that bit the bullet and went and bought a bunch of these things to test. Turns out the FlyFun ESCs do have an RPM out. It's not documented, but it's there, right? But turns out that these are airplane mode ESCs yep. that actually do start the motor at 0%, unlike airplane mode on the 130 Platinums and all those, where it decides it wants to start at 5% and jerk your rotor around. And everyone just tells you, oh, well, we'll use a different mode that has a delay filter on the input, which is great. It's a real shame, too, because I've seen that, like, the 130, when I've put it into its own governor mode, has a really, really awesome slow start.
1: But just to get facts straight, uh, this is for the FlyFun V5, not the V4. The FlyFun V5 has telemetry. The FlyFun V4 does not. Oh, there's V5s now? The V5s, yes. FlyFun V5s? Yeah, the V4s, no. But the V5s list. The Flyfun V5s. Not the Platinum. Oh, the shit. Five, the Flyfun. And um, they've got
2: telemetry in them, huh?
1: Yeah. That's, that's what it's on the list. And I've got one uh. that was originally going to go in the 420, but I put it in my dad's Cherokee, and now I'm going to do a little swap and put the 100-amp V3 in Cherokee. Tell you what, Shaggy.
2: If we can, I might need to take a peek at that and see if I can get it yeah. working with yeah. Jetty. Because if that's the case... Yeah. My hobby Wing 130 is going to end up on a shelf. Because if I can get the uh, the dank slow start and immediate control with an external gov, I'll be happy. Permanently happy. That's all I want.
0: You want external gov? Yeah, man. For what, the X3?
2: For uh, the E5. The E5's on it. Well, <laughs> the, the X3 has the older version, the V3, where it didn't have any goofy... Like The, the jerk is there, but it's not very bad, and it doesn't really show up too much on a little heli. But the yeah. E5 with the you know the high-power KDE motor that's in there, that 5% starting jerk is,
1: um, quote-unquote,
2: yeah. it's non-trivial. We'll go with that. It looks like crap. I mean, if it's just me, I walk up and spin the rotor blade and just angrily go about my flight, but if it's like at a fun fly or something, and everyone's like, oh, look, it's the hobby wing snap. <laughs> and it's a shame, too, because the other stuff about the AC, and they've been saying update for the last... I haven't, you know what, to be fair, I haven't looked at that thread in three months, I kind of stopped. But uh, it's just been kind of like, honestly, vaporware at this point about an update. Actually, you know what, let me go look right now, just to be fair. I'm going to go look. You guys carry on real quick. So, yeah, I'm going to be
1: just doing some bunch of swapping with the ESC. But basically, so the V3 is not compatible with it. Uh, supposedly the V5 FlyFun is compatible. So I will give that a shot with the one that my dad's key and, and test that out. Uh, and I hope so. Cause that's like a $60 speed control. It's like dirt cheap. Uh, and that's the 80 amp versus the V4 80 amp platinum, which is a hundred. Uh, I've been doing some research on like castles and, 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 the, the fly or the fly fun the platinum, uh, but not going to get to that. So I, uh, so excluding the telemetry, the RPM telemetry and all that fun stuff, uh, you know, amperage spikes and all that, you know, all that cool stuff, the milliamp counter and all that stuff. Uh, All the fun things wasn't able to to do that just yet, and I will try the Flyphone V5 and see. Uh, But I was able to get receiver voltage, minimum, maximum, peaks, everything. I was able to get to the uh, the integration with the brain and able to go through the settings, which is amazing. Uh, Crazy thing is, just by plugging this all this stuff in, it actually works first time around. Like that never happens for me. It always takes. Usually when I plug things in, yeah, okay. Something ain't working here, so we spending another five hours trying to figure it out. But no, this worked the first time, so it's like, it's so easy, even I can do this. So, that was cool. Uh, still want to do some more work on that. Yeah, I still got to, like, I mounted the unit on the boom. I just got to take the antennas and kind of, like, dangle them down and kind of tape them to the boom. Uh, so, that's, that's the biggest thing I did last week. Then it was basically work, 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 and then today. Uh... <laughs> Today, I've spent all day down in my hobby room working on probably my dad's old, current oldest plane. Uh, it's a it's it's a, uh, it's a it's a trainer style plane. It's a tri gear. It's got a top wing. But that plane has been crashed and rebuilt and crashed and rebuilt and demolished and rebuilt so many times I can't remember. Uh, I pulled the fuel tank out of it, and this fuel tank says 19, the, the year on the fuel tank was 1996. So I know the plane the plane was. A little bit older than that so it's older than me and uh i oh,
0: God. i know
1: i know i know but that's what i did okay you asked and that's what i did and it's kind of cool no, so it's not
0: about what you did it's about your your young
1: oh screw you
0: if you keep going i might die on the mic of age
1: oh uh, jeez. <laughs> well anyway i'll make it short and simple for you um
0: well now you're calling me stupid
1: i <laughs> I said short and simple. Barney style. got to break it down. <laughs> oh I think gosh. I can do
0: short and complicated.
2: Yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> Small energy, I looked at that thread. There's no response from any hobby people as of uh, February 18th. Sadness! The last thing reported was, yeah, my ESC still does it. And guys, we're talking about the same thing I've done where you put it in heli-linear mode which filters the input a little bit. And, uh, you put it on the smallest soft start, two 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 and a half seconds, and you just try to line up the response of your fly barless gov with the handoff so it doesn't jerk. Which does work. Just kind of lame. It just doesn't automatically work with the airplane mode and done with it, but... Hobbywing, external gov, please! <laughs>
0: just switch to some Germans.
2: Oh yeah! (laughs) Is this because I bought a jet? You think I have German money? (laughs) (laughs) Well, for the record, mine is made out of wood and monocoat. It says something, man. I bought a a Honda. Styrofoam. There's no styrofoam in that jet. Oh really? Nope. Usually they'll 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 insulate it with styrofoam. Nah, it's all sheeted. Styrofoam would go kaboom at speed. Mm,
1: No fiberglass? Nope. Yeah. Oh wow. Cool. Anyway. Last five seconds. So, long story short, taking that plane, converting it to a tail dragger instead of a tri-gear, and converting it to electric. Got a uh, OS... Five uh, seconds is up. 30, screw you. Uh, 38, <laughs> 25, 750 kV, an OS motor. Um, Got it last year for another plane that's not built yet. So, I went ahead and slapped that on there. And it's looking actually pretty cool. It looks so weird compared to what it was before. But it's going to be electric, 2.4, and tri-gear, or a uh, tail dragger. Which would be a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully that plane will be flying really soon. It is an it is a trainer plane, but this thing is fast. With a OS-46FX engine, this thing would easily cruise over hey, 100 miles per hour. Hey, it's a lot of jaggy. fun.
2: What? It needs an OS-55HCR turned to <laughs> stupid. I could. You I could. Ask, you go ask the Pylon guys about it. They stick heli motors in their planes, and they just crank them to stupid.
1: They, this could, because I mean the engine is designed for a high RPM output, so... They do it. Why not?
0: Yeah, I was. I was kind of thinking. Hopefully, you'll have the plane ready in time for heli spring fling.
1: I want to see carnage. What plane?
0: The plane you're talking about on a heli podcast.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, and then I'm gonna put a put a big old rotor on the top of it, and there'll be yeah. Then then it'll be it will make carnage. Sense.
0: Then you're in, then you're entering speed contest to do drag racing.
1: Yes.
2: <laughs> you have to hand throw it though to compete with the. Oh uh, you have to hand throw that thing. Because everyone else is going to be hovering, you gotta make it, f- dude. This is a forty-five size plane. Gotta make it fair, man. Can't be flying already. That means you've got speed, and the heli guys are hovering. It's got
1: like a five-foot wingspan. Actually, it's bigger than that. It's like five and a half. No balls, rotor. No balls. You know, I was. Um, I probably could. It's pretty light. I was watching
0: a Smack Talk RC episode from years ago, and I noticed a, a Bert had a, a banner on the wall in his house. It was for the Pitch Brothers, and it said. uh A heli without paddles is like a dick without balls.
2: (laughs) I am so sad that the Pitch Brothers aren't a thing anymore. (laughs) If I ever had the chance to go to that Fun Fly, I would have. the The amazing stories. Oh my gosh! It it was like the European version. It's like the European version of RCHO. It is, (laughs) except except a little bit crazier. I mean. Oh, what was it? The, uh, Crunder Aerospace? The fifty-fifty that had freaking beer cans for fuel tanks on it? The twin 50-size? I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Yeah. I'll I'll get Robert the link for the podcast. So yeah, like, one of the guys there, Crunder was his last name, but he took, uh, it was a Compass. I think it was a Compass Knight. Built it around two different manufacturer 50-size engines he had on his workbench. He, he said something about how it was an alcohol-fueled, uh, midnight or something. And the the freaking fuel tanks. It's got a pipe facing both directions, right? Because two motors just slapped in there, made some frames for it. You reused a bunch of parts, and it's freaking beer cans for fuel tanks. And uh, I think it, I think he gives it to Klaus, who wow. proceeds to absolutely wail on this thing and eventually murders it, though.
1: So <laughs> basically, it, it it's legit. I mean, these things run off of alcohol.
2: Yeah, yeah, straight out alcohol. Yeah.
1: Please
0: give me that video of the fifty-fifty.
2: Oh yeah, I'll get it to you for sure. It, it, yeah, it's good. We,
0: we, we need that in the show notes for for everyone's to. Thunder
2: fifty-fifty. You know, I'm watching that video right now, and there's just something obnoxious about smoke coming out of the front of the helicopter, <laughs> and the fact that this thing is just like this amazingly ghetto-rigged pieces of, of just beauty. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's so magical. Yeah, people need to watch this. I got you the links. Yeah, And then he plows it at the end though it's So sad
0: well, That's a proper burial for the 50-50 it is. powered off fueled, yeah. fueled by beer cans Yeah you know what <laughs> That is the
2: way to fly that Fly Just, until tripping, it just
0: trip and fall <laughs> Oh damn I, I've fallen
2: Fly until it falls apart and then shotgun a beer Right there on the flight line <laughs> oh. Punch it open with a pair of Ball ink pliers <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Spring SpringFling, I'll do it. I need your balling pliers, though. Mine got jacked at a fun fly a while ago.
0: Hey, my balling pliers work, man.
2: Mine do too. I got the new, I got a new pair. Just a beer can. It's thin aluminum.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna It'll use break a, the
0: jaw right off.
2: I'm gonna use a piece of an old torque tube or blade, otherwise. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, anyone got anything else for uh, what we did? Wonderful.
2: Yep. Besides Jetch and Nitro, nope.
0: So uh next up is RC Heli News.
2: Holy
1: shit, we got a lot.
0: Yeah, Rotor Rotor Live seemed to dump a lot of uh dump a lot of good stuff on us and then uh there's some, there some, good was some stuff. other good stuff that was uh made its way to my inbox. So uh first up, congratulations to Kyle Stacy for winning the uh Rotor Live 3D contest. Uh
2: USA said- USA USA <laughs> yeah, someone needs to get drunk, put on an America T-shirt. No, better yet, wife beater, American flag, and just go running across the flight line swinging beer cans. Yeah, we, we gotta properly represent our nationality at international events. And
0: and, and to stop them, will we put up a wall?
2: Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, God!
0: <laughs> oh, wait a second. We have to fund that.
2: <laughs> Damn. Hmm.
1: Well he's in a different country so
0: Maybe we'll just do what US uh, Customs and Border Protection do And we'll just fly a drone and monitor it
1: Can't we just use tanks up for tanks uh, it, It'd be cheaper just to use a net <laughs> uh, So what
2: else happened there
0: So uh, in second place Was uh, Khan Panoy uh, At the same contest and third was uh, Mirka uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name so I'm just going to go with Sisena. So, that's cool.
1: Cessna? Cessna? Um, I think it's Cessna.
0: Next up on there... Cessna? I don't know. I'm not going to try anymore. I butcher it once and I'm going to leave it be. (laughs) Uh, Next up was um, uh, some video, more video came out of the Groppner MZ-32, which uh, was announced in February, and so uh, there was video of it there at the event. I saw some... uh, I think they did a a meeting about it and did some... uh, did some teaching about how it works. Uh, of course what, uh, everyone is probably talking about still or arguing about or, uh, banning each other from, uh, various Facebook groups is the Mikado V control touch. Um, shortly before rotor live began, um, and Kyle Dahl, uh, you know, uh, uploaded the video of the, uh, new V control touch. So yeah, it seems like a lot of people are looking forward to it. And, uh, there's a lot, a lot of good stuff going on in transmitters right now.
1: A lot of, a lot of them are going to touch screen, which is, uh, eh, I guess it's the next big thing now.
0: Uh, I think almost everyone's to touch screen at this point.
2: Kind of on the fence. Oh, yeah, I mean...
0: I'm not on the fence at all about touch screens, Mike. Well,
2: as a nitro guy who flies a lot of uh, nitro and gets covered yeah. in nitro goo, I'm kind of like, eh. Touch screens are nice, but you end up, I mean, you're touching them a lot. You're... You put a screen protector on it. I mean, fingerprints are easy enough to clean off, but like screen protector, yeah. But getting nitro goo all over everything.
0: To be honest, uh, the one of the you know the plastic screens that are usually over the LCDs we had five years ago, those were known to not be very resistant against nitro. So transmitters don't deal well with nitro. I did, anyways, I did run into that. Yeah. Um, so it was one of those always pay attention where you set your transmitter down, not in the stream of exhaust.
2: Oh yeah! Don't do that.
0: Or, or in the path of when your uh, <laughs> when your nitro filler sprays
2: everywhere. <laughs> Jesus, that's always
1: that's always great when the hose disconnects and it's just spraying all over over the place gets in your Reason mouth number and your
2: five, eyes. That, oh god! <laughs> Reason number five: I don't have an electronic nitro pump. <laughs> same here. Same here. I'm I'm all about the hand crank. You know, before someone's like, <laughs> it's like I got one for the jet. Because that, when you try hand-pumping that thing, good luck. Two-liter gas tank?
0: Nope. Well, I'll tell you what, man. (laughs) Five kids later, I'm not all about the hand crank. But, um...
1: (laughs) Been cranking enough, huh? Robert likes to crank.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, next up on here is the uh, MRCI. They announced a tuned pipe uh, at Rotor Live. And they got a picture out there. It's uh, named the Trinity... And uh, I have no idea on dates or anything, but yeah, that it looks pretty cool. It almost looks like it's uh, not forged.
2: It looks cast.
0: It looks yes cast. Thank you. Yeah, it looks cast, and that black bit on it with their name looks like a a heat shield. Yeah, heat shield, heat deflector.
2: Looking at it, I'm just happy that finally someone is going to try maybe go commercial with an actual tuned stinger style pipe. I mean, not completely, it's like the the hybrid between them. Because Tim tried an actual stinger pipe once, and the problem was the weight and the fact that making it a thin metal, if you crash, it's basically hosed. But uh, for the reference in terms of power, that thing snapped the crankshaft in a 91 SRX in half.
0: (laughs) Um... You know, the other great thing I saw from pictures at uh, MRCI's booth was uh, they had muffler adapters, uh, what's what they term a collectors, that uh, that bit that usually goes between the engine and your hatori pipe, that is compatible with hatori pipes. So I also see they're selling O-rings for it, so Ooh. good source on O-rings, and I guess if you need a new collector, it uh, looks like they're making some for YS and OS.
2: Yeah. yeah. Especially, I'll be excited to be able to get a hold of those little silicone grommets, 'Cause Rodney yeah. Christine and I we spent probably a solid month looking for an OEM on those. Oh. From an easily, you know, like semi available source like McMaster or somebody else like US plastics and we couldn't find one. Wow. The uh, yeah. every other O-ring on the toy pipe we were able to find, but that one, those little grommets, couldn't do it. Uh it makes you it makes you wonder at
0: Ali in Taiwan and Hong Kong that you know they buy them from.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But what back backwoods place in Japan is uh, Tetsuo getting his stuff from?
0: Yeah. Uh you know, next up since the last uh, since the last time we recorded, also uh, SAB announced the uh, Goblin Five Hundred and Seventy Sport.
1: Yep, yep, they sure did. Ooh, more sport birds.
0: <clears throat> sure did. So uh, more sport birds, and you know,
1: it looks like they have their own blades for that one too—a d- a different type of sport line blades that's going to be included in the kit. By what it looks like.
0: Cool. Yeah, I know a lot of people, um, you know, myself, I started out on a on a a Lion five fifty years ago and I really enjoyed the size. And you know, listening to, you know, the various podcasts, uh, whether it was RCHN or or Freefall, those guys really all they, they all talked about how they enjoy their SAB Goblin five seventy. So this will probably be a great uh a great bit in the market. People will really enjoy it and probably coming at a good price point, but we'll see. Uh, next item that got announced was the Minicopter Diablo Ultralight, the UL.
1: Ultralight.
0: This thing's crazy. Apparently, um, so I've seen it before. They're talking about running a 6S uh, 700 class helicopter coming in at 3.7 kilograms, which for all of us uh, Americans is uh, 8.16 pounds. 8.16 wow. pounds. Good um, grief. So yeah, the helicopter, you know, no, it has plenty of modifications on it to get it light, but uh, they still list it as a 12s capable airframe. So you can set it up as a 12s. Um, the uh, kit price that's listed on uh, Peak Aircraft is uh, one thousand
2: one hundred twenty-five dollars. That's that terrible.
0: Woo! No, I want to say the Diablo 2018 edition is one thousand one hundred fifty, and uh, I didn't check what the black is price is at, but. Now for the airframe it's it's a uh, it's right in line with the mini airframe prices. Uh next on here is uh Contronic announced the availability of the new Calibri uh series ESC. So this one was announced uh, a year ago but uh you know the, they were showing them at Rotor Live and uh email hit my inbox and they're talking about pre-orders. You could pre-order it now from uh your favorite Contronic retailer. Uh they're talking about availability in April. Nice. Oh uh, yeah.
1: I'm interested in that 90 LV.
0: Yeah, it's a 2S to 6S uh, voltage ESC, so they'll refer to it as an LV since it's not running 12S. Uh, Three models: the 60, the 90, and the 140.
1: Those prices are ridiculous. Like amazing. (laughs) Like the reasonable, very reasonable.
0: Um. Yeah. Definitely. So the price ranges are 189 dollars for the 60, all the way up to 319 dollars for the 140. Uh, and it comes with built-in telemetry. Uh, for yes! Fataba, <laughs> Fataba, um, Groppner, Mikado, and Jetty. And I misspelled the word here. It's not multiplex. It's multiplex. 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 Um, for those who are familiar with Contronic. That means this ESC will not require a separate tell-me module, so that means it's compatible with all the with all the uh, with all those uh, telemetry vendors, and a decent price point. Also, it has a built-in back that uh, will go up to a maximum of nine volts.
1: Wow! And they say nice. it'll do
0: ten amps continuous with thirty amp peaks.
1: That's that's really good.
0: And last on here, it is Bluetooth compatible.
1: What? Uh,
0: yeah for um, that
1: price range too wow
0: well and i'm not sure if that's built in because they didn't call it that way so i'll look for some more Mm. details because still uh contronic does have a bluetooth module that you could use on the cosmics um you know another thing that's not really in the news announcements but yeah uh contronic has been uh they they did a big point this year and uh there's been some price adjustments here in the uh price adjustments so you know, go ahead and take a look at their price, li- uh, price list over on the Kontronic website. Check out your stuff. See if uh, see if you like the prices. The other one that was announced last week is Real Flight is coming to Steam.
1: Finally, that's all I can say right now is finally. I've been waiting for that. I mean, of course, I already have it and all, but I've been waiting for them to the to, to publish it to Steam. I mean, Acuris is on there. He's been on there for a while. Oh, no more stupid
2: f- CDs.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, they already have the download for uh, on Tower Hobbies. You can get you know, when you purchase, it, you can get it through Tower Hobbies. But now they finally have it available on Steam, so you have more of a, a wide range of where you can get it from. It's pretty nice.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: But as like kind of like an elite Real Flight uh, user and been using it and like religiously since six point five, uh, this is like a big breakthrough for me. So it's like yes, happy. I'll still buy. I mean, I still buy the physical copies, but still, it's cool.
0: Yeah, um, I just want my ISO. <laughs> I do have Steam on my computer, but I don't enjoy starting it up. It always wants to do updates and show me ads yeah. for things and sell me more. Uh, I just I, just, I want to use my SIM. Next up, uh, a new transmitter from Futaba. Um, yep, the Futaba 12K. It runs uh, TFHSS and SFHSS protocols. The price point is four hundred and fifty dollars. I was looking over the manual today, and uh, you know, for those of us who use the eight FG and the fourteen SG, the programming's the same. The menus are all pretty much the same. Uh, I saw a few little changes. I was just about to but- ask about that.
1: Yep. Yeah, I was just about to ask if it's because uh, it literally looked very similar to the fourteen SG and stuff. I was wondering I was gonna ask you if it if it's uh if it was literally a, a newer version.
0: Um so i looking at the pictures of it, and it, it doesn't, it, I mean, I, I'm betting it's sharing some mold with it, but I'm speculating. Um, I noticed the home button, the home button, and the um, the home exit, and the monitor buttons that are on there, they look to be a different shape than the ones I'm used to from the 14SG or the 18 szs But yeah, that's a telemetry, that's a Fataba transmitter for $450 with the telemetry. Um, so that's pretty nice. About, about uh, the
1: same price as the 14SG, if, if I'm correct.
0: I haven't looked at new prices on the 14SG. What I did, what I did run into this week, I was going through some old notes, and that's actually the price point the 8FG used to be, back, be at back in 2011.
2: Back in the wow. day.
0: Yeah.
2: Back in them the good old days. days. a thing.
0: Yeah, and, and like most of Fataba stuff, uh, usually... It's uh you know for the Fataba 12K it means it's 12 proportional channels and two switched channels so that means it's really a 14 channel transmitter. <laughs> and more Fataba news uh you know we'll post up a link in the show notes uh, coming from uh the Mo- remote control technology magazine out of Taiwan the Fataba CGY760R you know from the pictures it looks uh Wait,
1: 760?
0: 760R. Yep. Uh, all wow. in one design, no separate sensor. Uh oh, cool. Built in receiver. Yeah, it has a built-in receiver and they list it as using uh fastest and TFHSS protocols as part of that built in receiver. Yeah, uh you know, uh, looking for you know, looking forward to this coming coming out. Looking forward to this one.
1: Albertan, I look at that thing. Looks pretty nice. <laughs> pretty sexy.
0: Yep. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm gonna leave details out. I'll let. I'll let. I'll let the uh, website. Can't read
1: Japanese though.
0: Uh just bring it up in Google Chrome and tell it yes to translate, and it'll translate it for you.
1: It is not doing it for me, but I don't care. I'll, it's cool. I'm looking at the picture.
0: Yep. Uh, well, that's really it for news out of Rotor Live. Anyone got any other news that they stumbled across?
2: Not really. <laughs> I mean, the pipe was the one I found the other day. That's about it.
0: Yeah, dude, that thing looks nice. I. uh... I remember listening to Ed talk about it on Hooligans. He has one. I'm looking forward to seeing one on a Fun Fly. Um, I guess the only thing I was curious about was weight—the um, actual physical weight.
2: Oh, the the long header one.
0: I, I don't know. <laughs> the MRCI? No, the 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 one that exists already. Ah, uh, their long header one. You know, if it, if it gives you another another horsepower, you know, or something, I guess. Uh, I'll take the weight penalty for a couple more ounces, as long as it's not another pound.
1: I'd like to see people start making more pipes for 55-size engines. I mean, it's cool to see some for the 90s and the 100s and stuff like that, but I want to see some more 50-size pipes. There's not that many out there you can get.
0: No, there's not, but I I bet that has something to do with, you know, usually the... The creme de la creme of every heli manufacturer is a 700 size uh, 90. Of course. So that's the yeah. first spot you go after. And then now... But now we're
1: starting to get some 50s.
0: We are. I mean, the Align's been there. Uh, been there and been for sale. The Synergy N5C has been there. And, you know, the 556 is announced. So, yeah, there's uh, there's there's more interest in that segment.
1: Yep. And the new uh, 600XN.
0: Yep. Well, they're, upda- yeah, they're updating the existing design. But, you know, for a couple of years there, there was... <sighs> Am I wrong? Is there anything else than two nitro's you can buy right now for 50 class? Does TSA or
1: they had one?
0: Yeah. Yeah, speculation. <laughs> uh, so let's get to the last of this news. Uh Heli Springfling in Virginia. Uh coming up, what is it? May
1: couple months. I, f-
0: I feel like uh freaking dan k reed right now trying to remember dates may 2nd (laughs) uh, wednesday may 2nd through sunday may 6th the clinics we're having will be on wednesday and thursday the second and third so hit me up if you want to do a clinic it's uh 350 per student and it'll be that wednesday and thursday also uh we uh enjoy posting in the rc heli hangout forum in the podcast corner i usually put some trivia up there if you're looking to give us feedback or um have a conversation or whatever it be uh we do enjoy that forum over there, and you can also find our uh our fellow podcasters uh, freefall r c full pitch and uh, r c helly hooligans uh so you know what you could ask us all the same question and watch us all uh duke it out in the pit with, pu- with Pugil with pugle sticks
1: <laughs> okay okay that'll work too yeah okay
0: anyone got anything else before I close this bit of news out
2: like that's
1: it my lag is ridiculously uh, insane, and I apologize for talking over you every second. This is ridiculous. So, that, that's about it.
0: Uh, the the bigger problem the bigger problem is how much you end up having to edit.
1: <sighs> I know, it's going to be a pain. <laughs> the thing is, there's an overcast, so every time there's an overcast, everything slows down, and I didn't think about that until now.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, you're right.
1: And it was snowing, accumulated, and then it stopped.
0: How many miles are we apart?
1: Uh... Maybe 20, 25,
0: 20. Yeah, that's funny. 20 miles difference go from Verizon Fios to satellite. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, this brings us to the main topic tonight. Hobby room, workbench, and tools.
1: Oh, boy. <laughs> this ought to be good.
0: Um, hopefully. Hopefully it's good. Um, you know, every one of us has to do the maintenance, build our helis, all that thing in a hobby room. Usually we want it to be quiet or out of the way or not disturbed, you know, nothing fun having all your hobby stuff cleared off the table by someone else and put in a box. So, yeah, hobby room, workbench and tools. Uh, with that, go for it, Shaggy.
1: Well, okay. So, um, this is, uh, this is how sad my dad and I are into this hobby. So it started in a very tiny little... Uh, room that was maybe 10 by 12 foot expanded to maybe 16 by 12 foot and now it's expanding to a secondary 12 by 12 foot shed that's going to be powered heated and everything. So it's pretty sad how far this has escalated. But so typically what I have on my table currently, uh, and this has been a while in the making, I've got a uh, four, uh, four by eight foot table, basically just regular table, plywood on top of that. In my basement, basement's the best place to have it because the temperature is very consistent. Humidity is very, you know, perfect. Uh, it's also we also keep it like in the winter time. We have a wood stove. We also have um, water on top of it, so it keeps uh, moisture in the air, but not too much. You know, just the proper humidity. So keeping everything downstairs is actually probably the best place for uh, to store everything, whether it's the electronics, the nitro engines, and everything like that. Uh, they seem to be pretty happy and it's also very consistent the wintertime it stays nice and cool uh and the humidity never drops and never changes despite changing from winter to summer uh with wood stove and with you know just the regular corridor from from summertime uh but i have a four by eight table that's mainly where i have everything out and trying to like reorganize everything uh so that'd be my main work table i also have like a small little uh probably two and a half by four foot table behind on the corner of the table uh, of the wall behind my big table. Cause my big, big table is kind of like right in the middle on the other wall. It's kind of like where I'll have my storage and everything. I'll have the storage bins with all the random parts here and there. Uh, I'll have the tools laid out there. I have a, a pegboard, which all I have all my parts on there. Uh, and so I kind of have like a, one of those drummer seats, you know, the just swivel ones and kind of just like I can spin around from between both tables, uh, easy access. And I'll have, You know, all my adhesives and a Loctite in in one corner uh, and then my solder iron in the other corner, just available at all times. Uh, And another thing that I've actually done, um, I've got the fluorescent tubes, uh, fluorescent tube lights ahead of me, which is probably the best working light you can ever deal with because you have nice, constant, cool white light uh, over your work area. But I also have to help reflect the light and be able to see a little bit better. I've also taken uh, the like Dollar Tree foam board that you can get and i've placed it over the plywood on the table and that right there it, it reflects the light more i'm able to have a better you know a better uh, working environment now the, the foam board i have isn't isn't like a paperback it's more of a waxed cover back uh or, or some kind of like a plastic coating or something like that so it's actually heat resistant the one i use um it's like yeah, that's right it's the elmer's one you can get from 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 walmart it's not the dollar tree foam board it's like the elmer's type from walmart and it's kind of heat resistant and of course you know like if you take like your 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 heat gun like turn it max temperature and just heat it there for a while it's gonna of course burn it but you know take your iron and you like drop it on there for a few seconds it's not going to burn that that material uh so i really really like that uh and also it reflects the light back into um Back into the object that I'm working on, so it's, it's just a lot easier to to be able to see and work on everything. And that's kind of like the basic layout of my table and stuff like that. Very simple, um, but very effective.
0: I know um, my own workspace. Uh, you know, I started out in my office years ago, and I, I remember building an X fifty in my office. It was uh it was awful. <laughs> I may do, and I'm sure every one of us has done this as we've come up through uh, as we've come up through the hobby. I, it worked fine for RC cars, but when I got into helis and just their pure size, it it stopped working.
1: Oh, dude, you can build a car anywhere.
0: Yeah, it, it doesn't spread out quite like a heli does.
1: Exactly. I've done I've done the, yeah. the cars and the trucks on on freaking kitchen table. Mom wasn't happy about it, but I did it. <laughs> but a helicopter, yeah, not gonna happen. No, uh,
0: wives, mothers, all of us aren't happy about kitchen table. Um. But yeah, I start out of my office, and you know, these days I'm actually downstairs in the family room of this house. But the family room has become the family room slash the bedroom, and uh, which is insane. Uh, my wife is a very uh, kind person to let me have this hobby take over so much space. Um, but yeah, the big thing as far as space I run into is uh, it's a good, it's a good, um, it works out really well if you can walk all around the heli. So if you're on some sort of island or table, um, the other thing, uh, you know, we've experienced uh, our clubhouse. You know, the floor is soft in the middle, but we're like where the desk is at that uh, our president sits at during the meetings. That desk is actually really heavy and crazy enough. I think Mike, you've seen it. That desk is actually really, really, really close to level. Yeah, it's a decent desk. It's close to level. so it's decent to stick a helicopter on when you're playing around with like the Soko tool or an RC logger tool. That uh, standing on the desk, even though it's a wood floor, it doesn't shift it around. I've I've seen some wood floors where you walk around the table and it'll actually shift the. You'll see you'll see the changes in the readout on the uh, the RC logger or the Soko tool. So I
1: I experienced um, that as having well. Having a
0: good hard floor to set a table on and, and walk around with works really well. Um, yeah, the other thing is like if you're doing this out of the a flying field and you're at a picnic table, I usually warn everyone who's at the table that they're now part of the measurement of my helicopter and they have to stay there until I'm done. It's just a funny way of saying, hey, you need to get up and get away from the table. But yeah, especially like uh, DePaulo and I, we visited our friend um, Bob Harris and he's out in a workshop and he's got, was probably like a 10 by 10 tabletop that he's doing his work on. He'll pin plans down or he'll work at four different corners and work at four different assemblies of a helicopter or a plane and bring it together towards the center or wherever he's working at. So, a big space to walk all the way around. Um, you see it over and over again. That's what a lot of folks end up with. I don't know how Mike does it. He's, his room doesn't work well, and he keeps posting pictures of his aircraft in his bed.
2: Wow. I thought he was just sleeping with them at night. Nah, if we're, if we're talking in my room, uh, things in the bed would get to about 3 in the morning, and then they get thrown on the floor, you know, like, <laughs> Prototype nice. gets to roll some stairs, you know, <laughs> that, that thing's gone now. But uh, you know, layout-wise... I've got the, the big four-foot-tall stainless steel confectioner's table that I uh, jacked from mom when she went and bought a whole bunch of those from a bakery closing. That thing's pretty awesome. Solid, heavy, stable, great for banging on things or delicate work at the same time. The 3D printer lives on that thing as long with the uh, the laser cutter. Uh, otherwise, there's uh, the flip-out tables that we always bring to Funfly, so I'll have one of those handy if I need it. And I'll fling that out and set it up in the room so I've got two big tables to work on because the 3D printer, the Taz 6 takes up a ton of room. There's also a, uh, a TIG welder kicking around underneath the table that uh, I know a couple people know that I've got yeah. that thing. Uh, there's a couple Hattori pipes I've repaired kicking around. It's also really useful when, uh, for example, a kit includes some less than ideal stainless steel screws and one of the little heads pops off with incredibly less force that you ever plan to use. It's really nice to, with the 40,000 stunks, and get down inside the hole and uh, TIG weld the bolt out. That's really nice to have. Because to be honest, e- easy outs, as is, is great as they can be, sometimes they really fall short, especially if the, the shank of the bolt is all that's left. That's pretty much it, though, for the most part with my room. I got a, a couple things extra floating around, like the, the box parts and the tool bag. But short of that, that's pretty much all I've got until I moved to a new place after taking the job with the Navy. What was the What's your lighting that you
1: use for, for your workspace? Is it just like a regular light bulb, or is it like fluorescent tubes and stuff like that for clean lighting? CFDs. Okay. Not like fluorescents. Nice, nice. Much better light.
0: Yeah, um, I know for my space, I I have, I have a light on my table and lights in the room, but I could probably do, I would probably could do with more light in my workspace. Um, I'm thinking about it, but I'm, it's not been such a big problem, so I'm still. the thought percolates, and one day I'll see a solution, and I will wait no time whatsoever to buy the lights and probably spend more than I should.
1: Honestly, <laughs> I don't know how you're able to work on that table with that little light. I would not be able to do it.
0: Uh, it's because I'm a nerd and I work in the dark.
1: Yeah, I mostly does t- do too, but when it comes to working on, you know, th- you know, stuff in this hobby, I gotta have it freaking brighter than Alcatraz.
0: Yeah, you're only used to that because your
2: dad's old. I blame airplane people.
1: Yeah, maybe, <laughs> whatever. I started doing the planes. I still do. So I'm not, you know, you make all fun, make all the fun you want about about planes and all that stuff. I mean, I do I fly it. Planes. Yep, I yep. fly
2: a jet to clear the plane guys off the flight line so I can fly my heli. Yep.
0: Good stuff. <laughs>
1: I still
2: want to get it a works.
0: jet.
1: but I don't have that money. Fun. Well, I could get the money, but that means postponing my payment to my truck. That truck means you pay it off don't first. Don't want
2: that <sighs> truck anyway.
1: I need to pay it off. So because somebody's going to have to replace the transmission, mhm, yep. Or not really replace the transmission, but replace seals in the transmission which requires dropping the transmission, taking it all apart, replacing the seals and putting it back together and then putting it back in. Fun. And expensive. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So yeah, no 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 <laughs> no spending money on jets for me. Not yet.
0: Yeah. Uh, next we're gonna get, so, got through Hobby Room, got through Workbench, next we're gonna get into tools, and I'm not gonna talk about, you know, hex drivers. We're gonna talk about building stuff. Tools Just... in a toolbox.
1: Oh, Jesus. <laughs> hey, that was funny. Well, Old... it was then. <laughs> that was funny.
0: Um, so, we get gonna get into some tools that, you know, that that, uh, we're gonna stay in the common tools, maybe not quite Apollo level of tools that uh, to keep around uh, for this stuff. Um, first up, we mentioned it a couple shows ago, an arbor press.
1: That's a must.
0: Yep. At some point, if you're in this hobby long enough, you're gonna to need to push a shaft through a bearing or a collar or push a motor shaft out of the of the bell.
1: Anything, or you just want to crush something it's cheap enough
2: anyway.
0: Uh, yes, but don't let it be your hands, or let your kids play with it.
2: That's actually (laughs) a good segue into, you're dealing with tools now that can exert a lot of force. Yes. You really need to be careful about what you're trying to press and how you're pressing it, because otherwise you could very quickly destroy something expensive. Oh, yeah. Something to be mindful of.
0: Yeah, I I will add to that, Mike, uh, many times I'm using the Arbor Press if I... I feel like I'm going too hard. I'll stop and and check it out, reposition and and go for it. And uh, it's usually, you know, it goes back to measure twice, cut once. If it's not moving like you expect it to, uh, make sure you're doing all right.
1: Oh yeah, I, I've destroyed many things yep. with uh, with uh, putting too much pressure. Not fun. Mostly bearings. Yeah, bearings. You got to be careful with.
0: Yeah, I'll probably get into deeper in other episodes, but you got to remember, when it comes to bearings, don't press on the inner diameter of the bearing. Yeah. Please, no. You need repressing on the OD, because uh, the ID doesn't take press well.
2: Depends what you're putting it on. But yeah, don't... Whatever interface you're trying to press, press on that side of the bearing. Don't be the guy who's pounding the outside race and you're trying to put something on a shaft.
0: Oh yeah, no. In that point, I agree with you, Mike. If you're putting a bearing on a shaft, you're going to be hitting. The, you're going to be working with the ID. If you're working with a bearing into a journal, yeah, like a like a bearing block, then you're going to be pushing on the OD.
2: Basically, press on the side you're pushing.
0: Yeah, a lot of times I actually use the bearing I just pulled out as the item to put between the press and the bearing to to press it in.
2: Old sockets work really well. Yeah, if that the yep. Actual bearing tool.
1: I also have those, um, like, press shafts. They're, oh, shoot, what are they used for? I don't, I can't remember what they're used for, but they're these metal shafts that are, like, normal size, and they kind of thin down to some of them, or to a point. Some of them are just broad metal.
0: It's a drift punch.
1: Yes, yes. I've got a whole bunch of those, and I've even used, um, like, socket head screws. Like, um, like I've had some, uh, a bag of socket head screws, and one of them in there didn't uh, was, wasn't even um, threaded. You know, it missed the threader. So i have been using that a lot. I'll use that. I've used motor shafts, um, you know, bad motor shafts, bad feathering shafts, uh anything that's pretty much strong and long and metal, just to get a variety of different sizes.
0: Yeah. All I say about the drift punches is careful how I use them. Oh yeah, uh, of course. They're not always made for those kind of things, so.
1: <laughs> hey, they work. They've been working
0: yeah uh no sockets sockets are a good idea a good thing. just make sure the socket isn't pressing on the seal as that's completely useless and will aid in ruining the bearing before you get to use it um so harbor press it's a good tool to have around careful how to use it so you don't ruin your stuff and if you're quite unsure, buy extra of it ruin it and learn <laughs> Buy more bearings and learn how to ruin them and then you can learn how to not ruin them um. Uh, you know, we mentioned in the last episode, uh, metric tap-and-die kit. So, most of the hardware in our aircraft is metric?
1: Unless you're a plane guy, then it's all standard.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: I, I've learned that. I prefer metric, though.
0: <sighs> this isn't teleprop RC, dude.
1: <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> and, if everybody, and if anybody has a problem with it, they can write me up some hate mail.
0: Yep, telerotor RC... No, it's telerotter at gmail.com.
1: I thought it was Robert Monty at gmail.com.
0: Nope, that doesn't work. So, Darn. metric tap and die kit. Um, the die is really useful for chasing the threads on your screws to remove Loctite from them. Uh, also, it's uh, it'll become clear if a bolt is bent enough when, it, when you start sending it through a die that it's too bent for use. Um,
1: wobble, wobble.
0: The tap, I will say, be careful with them. Uh, you can use them, of course, but our kits have a lot of aluminum, and you run the risk of stripping them out if you chase threads in aluminum with a steel tap.
1: Oh, yeah. But, you know, you can also, uh, you can also risk, depending on what you're threading, of course, uh, be careful when you're using the tap because you can actually uh, strip the tap. So it's always recommended to go in real slowly and back out every, you know, half turn or so and get the shavings out and then go back in some more. And don't use a drill like I did the very first time because that won't work. You'll destroy everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the reason why they make high-speed bits. <laughs> um, next on here is an item that many of you guys probably haven't heard of. Uh, and that is an arrow rod straightener. Some of you have seen it. I actually carry it in my kit of tools. Uh, if you are a guy who runs torque tubes, and you have a bouncy auto, and you realize that something's not quite right.
1: This is a must.
0: usually as long as you don't see kinks in your torque tube, you can use an arrow rod straightener to fix it up. Uh, you know the interesting thing. One day I was, I was, uh, I was, I was thinking about it, and um, I realized that you know, uh, folks who uh, play with bow and arrow stuff a lot. They used to do a lot of aluminum arrow shafts. These days there's a lot more carbon fiber, but yeah, there's still some, uh, uh, arrow rod straightener out there, uh, tools out there f- for guys who are still running aluminum. And, uh, yeah, it works really well to get a, uh, torque tube just a little straighter if you, if you bounced it around a little bit.
1: They are a little hard to find though. I found mine on eBay, but, uh, they, even then it wasn't that many on there.
0: Yeah, I found mine on an online sports store who had you know tools and other stuff for uh, bow and arrow enthusiasts. So um, yeah, ch- check your local sports store.
1: Well, also uh, if you need help looking for uh, figuring out what exactly what they look like, you can Google them, or we'll also put a picture on the on the on the Facebook page to kind of show you guys what they look like.
0: Yep, mine is adjustable. Yep, mine is too. And I'll say you have to be really careful. Yeah, you have to be really careful in using it because. Uh, it's really easy to use an arrow rod straightener to really make what was a slightly tweaked torque tube to a uh, completely messed up torque tube that has no kinks in it, but has got a spiral right. bend in it.
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, make sure, actually take a take a destroyed torque tube, that one that you know you're going to throw away, and practice with it before you actually do it on the real thing. Like take a bad torque tube and just, just practice it. Or even, a, yeah. I've even um straightened out skid tubes. It also works with that. Uh, most skid tubes are actually the exact sure. same uh, diameter as a, uh, well, it doesn't matter if it's not, but I mean, it's mostly the same size as a uh, torque tube. I've even taken bad torque tubes and made skid tubes with the bad torque tube for with that tool. It's really cool.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna, so the next one on here I'm going to go with is the ultrasonic parts cleaner. <laughs> I think, uh, I don't, I don't think I'm the only one with it. I think you have one, don't you, DiPaolo? Sweet. We've lost Apollo. But, um, yeah, the ultrasonic parts cleaner. I don't, you know, last time I remember, you don't have one yet. Do you, uh, Shaggy?
1: I do not. I do not. I I like to get one, but I do not have one at the moment.
0: Yeah, they are a little spendy. Um, you'll find them on Amazon. I, I've got one that, um, it's big enough that I could fit a main shaft in it, but, uh, I don't do, you know, I don't usually put the main shaft in that way. Um, it's heated, so I could put hot water in it, um. Ultrasonic parts cleaner, you would be surprised how much, you know, just oil, grit, and other things are on our kits. So I will, when I'm building a kit, I will shift all the hardware through the ultrasonic parts cleaner. Um, you know, for the aluminum and the plastic, I usually put it through hot water and Dawn dish soap to get the oil off of it. And then I have a, a mason jar with acetone in it for the steel screws, the steel parts. And I put it in there. Um, that way I don't actually contaminate the uh, the uh, ultrasonic cleaner's uh, bed with crazy harsh cleaners. You know, it's in a glass. Uh, you know, it works really well. There's a ton of stuff that comes out of the bolts. Uh, it, gets, uh, it gets the stuff nice and primed and ready. And add to that with the heated bed, uh, you know, I pull a lot of the parts out because they're they're, 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 uh, they're uncomfortable to touch and hold. The, the the ultrasonic cleaner keeps it up near like a hundred and like thirty five hundred and forty degrees. So when I pull them out of the in the basket and set them down on the table, they usually dry out pretty fast too because they're heat. Yeah, it gets the stuff nice and clean for building. I um, uh, you know uh, that you know like I was kind of mentioning keep the harsh chemicals and something besides the actual bed of the ultrasonic cleaner. Uh, I've had a lot I've had a lot better. Um, I've my screws have stopped rusting. Uh, after I've shifted them through with acetone, cleaned them all up, and assemble them with Loctite, the screws are lasting. They're looking a lot better and lasting longer. Uh, next up is a torque wrench. If you really, really mm-hmm. want to get your uh, OCD bit on, you can get a torque wrench. <laughs> torque wrenches. So most of our helicopters are built – we're not not in the foot-pounds for most everything. Uh, Most foot-pound torque wrenches are entirely too big for our model helicopters. Uh, We are in the inch-pounds. Most of our stuff is in the range of 5 to 50 inch-pounds for most of the hardware we use. Um, I say that in case you decide you want to get a a torque wrench and you don't make a mistake of buying one that's – too high of values or too low of values. They're nice for repeatability um, or for those assemblies that need a really light touch. Uh, it's nice to, you know, use a tool that's repeatable and, and make sure you get that light touch and you're not just guessing. You know, the like the MIP 1.5 millimeter driver, the handle on that thing is, it might as well be a T handle. It'll let you over torque all sorts of uh, fasteners. <laughs> so, it's uh it's nice to be able to you know use something that stops you from uh going all he man on some fasteners um and just getting their repeatability in there uh any other things on like a torque wrench mike
2: um not particularly yeah <laughs> i'll top my head. i think it's all i'll put in the show notes
0: yeah, I know it was something I got into around Christmas time. I've been meaning to to get more into it, and so I'm still really working the research part of it of just how to use it. Um, I will say that the, when it comes to this hobby, it's it's interesting. There's a ton of variables in how how much something is torqued. So trying, you know, just trying to say everything's you know ten inch pounds of force is uh, it doesn't apply work like that. So if you do decide to use one, there's uh, you know test other things that aren't important before you go testing your actual helicopter. Uh, next up on tools, if you really want to get into something is V blocks and a dial indicator.
1: I haven't messed with that yet.
0: I was just actually looking around at some more websites for it. Um, V blocks are a precision machined component. They have a V in them and usually have a flat uh, side to it. You want to use this on like a, a, a machinist table. Um, Basically, uh, a V-block, you get two V-blocks and a dial indicator, and you can use it to uh, check, the runout, check the runout on shafts. So you can tell whether or not that uh, that questionable main shaft or tail shaft or feathering spindle truly is questionable. Uh, as I've found that glass just isn't that great of a thing to roll things across um, between dirt on them. It works on, to an extent. It works to an extent, but depending upon your operational uh rpms in your aircraft you know uh, you 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 may be you may end up in an area where uh smaller things are bothering you more than if you just ran your head speed really high
1: oh yeah how i work with it with anything smaller than a fireball eh? it's good enough (laughs) yeah because with the small ones you're not you're just gonna crash again in a few minutes anyways or a few flights anyways
0: but it's you know it's funny uh every once in a while you'll spot some pictures from you know, some of your favorite pros in their work areas, you'll notice there's a machinist. Uh, there's a piece of machinist uh, stone in the background, and uh, they've got V-blocks. Uh, you know, if you question a shaft or you want to see how good those components are, that's the that's the tool to get. Um, and it will take, uh, you know, you'll be able to use it and take all the doubt out about whether or not something's truly true. Um, drill press. Drill press is useful. Um,
1: it's useful for a lot of things actually
0: yeah i I run into it every once in a while I'll hear guys who do a little bit of machining work on their on their helis. they're doing some custom stuff and, and and a lot of times I run into the fact that they use a drill press to do it yep and uh it, it works out you know it works out really well as a tool um, you can get some smaller ones, you get big ones but um a drill press is a useful tool if you find yourself getting into the machining side of this of this hobby and you want to customize some parts, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, you saw what I what I uh I showed you pictures of what I was working on.
0: Yeah, definitely, um, definitely. What do you got in the drill press?
1: A lot of things you can do with uh with different size drill press, but you can also uh even check the true KV output of your motor with a with a drill press. Um, that's one that's one way you can use the drill press. You can use it as a somewhat makeshift arbor press, though it's recommended to get the arbor press instead. Different sizes. When it comes to the size of a drill press. Uh, you don't need to go get the best one and the biggest that there is,
2: but uh, I mean, we're doing hobby stuff. Like a little thing would be fine yeah. for what we're doing. Unless you want to start drilling like bigger, bigger than M3. Something small is more than enough. Well, not
1: only the size hole, but also the height. You know, the height of the object yeah, I mean, you're work, not, working not on. We're not dealing
2: with anything big.
1: So I mean, a typical medium-sized drill press at Harbor Freight that costs like a hundred bucks is perfect. But also I think it's microlux they have this ultra micro type drill press that's like a desktop size uh, it's got maybe a work height of eight or nine inches you know and it's also adjustable too but you know the max height is like eight or nine inches tall that thing is amazing I love it uh, you can go from ultra small bits uh, for shoot probably like um, you know m1 to I think m4 is the biggest you can go with it uh which is basically all the ranges on all the way up to a 700 size helicopter from a you know one eighty two or 700 just in in that size range uh it works really really well and the, i'll have to send i'll have to uh, post some pictures of it but there's also this tray on there where you can clamp down the object you have and there's uh handles where you can crank out crank up and you can adjust it like side to side and forward and backwards so i guess that's x and y or x and z Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but in that platform, in that layout there, and uh, you can then you can just you know drill the holes in there, so you can get everything literally dialed in. I actually made something for those sh- shall not be named, and no, not quads, something else that Rob's yelling at me about. But I was working on something, and I was using that tool to make a firewall and all that stuff like that, and I was able to get the holes exactly precise and measured out. With that, with this, with this mount on top of the drill press, I'll 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 try to see if I can send uh, put a link and post pictures on there. It's a really nice drill press for a drill press. It's small, it's easily storageable. Um, you can put it in a dresser drawer or whatever. It's small, it's lightweight, and it's just amazing. It doesn't take up much space, and it's just amazing.
2: So that's all I got to say about drill presses.
0: (laughs) You got anything on drill presses, DePaulo?
2: Uh, I mean, you asked me that question, I'm gonna ask you what level you're going after.
0: You know, I, I see. I see a few guys make use of drill presses just to customize some heli parts. Or as, as I run into, I get tired of chasing my boom around with a with an actual drill as it shoots out from underneath me or in front of me. Yeah,
2: if, if you're just trying to make some simple little holes, the things from Harbor Freight are actually have decent for the money. Yeah. The moment you start trying to do precision drilling and using it as a mill and other stuff, get out the pocketbook and uh, don't go to don't go to Harbor Freight.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the Harbor Freight one still works pretty well, but it depends on what you're really using it for.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what Mike's saying. Precision, it depends on your level of precision. Um, and that's the big reason why a drill press is not a good item to use to check uh, like shaft straightness of main shafts or feathering spindles. Because the drill, the drill has its own amount of play as well. Um, that's not really what they're designed for. And the reason why the next item was listed and that is a lathe. So they make small lathes and lathes. One of the, one of the things a lathe is good for is checking the straightness of shafts. Yes. Things like, uh, even down to torque tubes, <laughs> you can use it to check the straightness of a torque tube. If you're really crazy enough,
1: which people are.
0: Yeah. Um, it's, it's another use for it. Uh, I don't know if I'd actually buy one for that. Maybe if I you know, fall into some money one day, I, I would. Uh, I'm just really checking straightness. Um Another tool, uh now, DePaulo, you back? Yeah. Yeah. Soldering iron. You're the EE. Tell us what we should get on our workbench for a soldering iron.
2: Oh, God. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, we've got the, uh, the Hakko FM203, the dual port. That thing's yeah. fun. All the different... I'm not even going to bother going through all the different attachments for it, other than there's... A whole bunch of different tips and tip sizes for stuff from heat sinks all the way down to oh, what's the smallest pitch I've dealt with? I'll just go with small, <laughs> very fine pitch chips on the pins.
0: What kind of temperature range should we be looking at?
2: Or well, ask you that. I'm gonna ask you what kind of solder you're using, but if we're for
0: most of us who do this hobby, yeah. I'm gonna
2: assume the average Joe's running around with maybe like sixty forty or like sixty-five thirty-five or something like that, lead tin solder. So in that case.
0: Put the average Joe speed guys who are dealing with silver solder. Ooh,
2: silver solder. Yep. So if we're dealing with ROHS, uh the silver solder stuff, you're gonna be dealing with a higher temperature because the melting points, they are higher. So what that means for you the end user is you're going to be looking to run your your average iron up towards 750 to 800 now these are high if we're talking chip soldering but you'll be soldering quickly if you sit on them if you have a long dwell time if you had a really low temperature and that you could just as easily mess the chip up so ideally if you're soldering you know we're talking speed guys you're soldering big bullets Maybe they're soldering something to an ESC heat sink. You're going to want to run the iron hot in order to be able to get in and out quickly, because otherwise you could start to ruin things.
1: Now, what, what is that temperature in Celsius? Because I know some soldering, uh, like digital output uh, reading is like mine. you has a digital output display, but it's only in Celsius.
0: The answer to your question, Shaggy, is 750 degrees Fahrenheit is 400 degrees Celsius. It's actually three hundred ninety-eight point nine degrees Celsius.
1: Okay. Cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, as far as soldering irons, I'm, I'm a big fan of of you know, yeah, get a get a soldering iron that goes over seven hundred fifty degrees, and um, you know, use as big as tip as you can for for the project. So, you know, I'm dealing with you know six millimeter bullets for batteries. I want a big, you know, a big soldering tip, not not some little.
2: No. Oh. Well, you've seen Monty when we go to a Funfly and someone's like, I can't get these monster 8-gauge tips to solder, <laughs> and I'm like, hold on. We need the WMD. <laughs> the 180-watt pencil yeah. for the FM series. Um. Yeah. Oh, that, that, the tip on that thing's enormous, but it it's meant for soldering big-ass heat sinks and stuff, yep. so it makes bullets look like cake. That's That really is just another example of tool for, tool the, for the job. The job. I agree. Um... Uh... Realistically, something a lot of people will overlook. Uh, if you look at any of the chips on your ESC, like any of the MOSFETs, you, know, you just I guess for average Joe, just go go into a data sheet and look for something, they'll probably say something like uh solder or, or temperature or reflow profile, something like that. And you'll see that the chips are not meant to no. Be kept Don't hot they all wave
0: solder all that stuff anyways?
2: Like uh, usually a lot of it's reflow soldering where they wipe a, a a paste with a stencil over the board and a pick-and-place machine slaps all the chips onto the board, and then they put it in a big oven, and it heats up, but it's very specific, slow preheat, and then it spikes the temperature to to actually melt the solder, and Mm -hmm. then brings it down gently. And it only spends maximum of a minute at the high temperature. So you do not want to be sitting on something, especially like an ESC, minutes and minutes and minutes trying to melt something. Yeah, I know, if you're
0: having problems soldering with something you know and it's not it's not doing it you need to back off and and not hold it on longer y- if you do you're going to wick solder in and and make wires solid and all sorts of dumb God. yeah all sorts of That's uh, things fun. you're going to regret so if you find yourself
2: and just because it melted together
0: oh, no i they said if it's not working stop what you're doing and and work it out <laughs> yeah
2: yeah something else to consider just because it's stuck together <laughs> doesn't really mean it's soldered properly. I've seen it the, the speed guys are especially vulnerable to it with the large gauge wires and the and the big bullets and the high currents they're pulling but uh, I've run into it a couple of times where guys have come up and they say, oh, my yeah. crap came on done I'm like well you start popping bullets off and you're like, oh crap, this is only like twenty or thirty percent of the way soldered through and you the stuff that yeah. have just doesn't have the heat the the wattage and the in the tip and that's that's something else I, I, God, I'm going to turn this Soldering hour, but um, something else important. Don't cheap out on an iron. I mean, it's easy for a company to make a little ceramic temperature with a probe in it and a little like um, the, the track power and all that stuff. They're all based off an old Hako nine three six, and the circuitry in that is really, really, really simple. It's a transformer and a little thermistor circuit, and that that works fine. It's the the tips. Where the money is at, yeah. And you can you can get one of those track power things and go get nine three six series, e uh, seventeen series. shit. I'll have to look it up, but you can go get those tips from Hako and put them on one of those, and it'll make a world of difference. Hmm. Because the the nicer tips are just the way more thermally conductive. The coatings on them stay nicer longer. They wet better. <laughs> better experience altogether. And then when you go to put the thing away, clean it, put solder on it, let the solder cool on it. Protects it from oxidizing.
0: Yeah. Because
2: an oxidized tip will not work for crap. If your tip is uh, not shiny anymore, and it won't wet, it's yep. basically garbage can time. That thing isn't going to transmit heat, it's not going to wick solder, it's just going to be a pain in the ass, and you're going to end up with goo everywhere, and the balls ball going to come flying off when you're trying to get a nice speed <laughs> Yeah, pull.
0: you're... Your rescue, your uh, your your cheap, your, anyway. your controller rescue ain't gonna mean much of anything when uh, your bullets are unsoldered because uh, you started their job with the wrong tool.
2: Something like that. It's like even the expensive tips, like the one for the FM series, where they've got the little built-in mm-hmm. ceramic and everything in them. Even though it's like seventeen dollars a piece, but honestly, it's like seventeen dollar tip or three hundred yeah. dollar crash. As the bolts all came down, you got to watch your heli fall. Definitely.
0: Um, You know, another tool to add on here is a bench grinder. Um, I found those to be really useful for, yeah, uh, shortening bolts or uh, grinding a flat spot on a motor shaft. Or, (laughs) yeah, they work really well in that capacity. It's it's convenient to have it at home. It's not something I'm going to carry to the field, but it works well at home.
2: Yeah, Ryobi has got some little cheap. Uh, like, I was shocked. They're like 40 bucks at Home Depot, and it's actually been surprisingly good. The funny thing is, Home Depot, the one around me anyway, last I checked, didn't even sell replacement wheels for them. Like, they just expect mm. you have to throw the thing out or something.
0: Um, Another tool is yeah. a Dremel.
2: I was just about to say that. Just about to. The ubiquitous rotary tool. Um, crap. Again, I could go on and on and on about this kind of stuff, but I guess the usual tips to have would be metal cutting wheels grinding and they call it a, yeah grinding tips and they call it a wood wheel that they have where it's it's heavily mm-hmm. serrated cutter but it works mm. very well for plastic so instead of shooting molten plastic everywhere at you it actually will cut it yeah. out it's aggressive though so be careful um, other than that you don't usually find them at Home Depot but uh, like tungsten carbide burrs, a nice selection of those is very useful for Cutting yeah. things or cleaning things up. You can get those on Amazon. Very uh, my easily. two common
0: uses of the Dremel are one is polishing uh, very specific items that I want to operate smooth. So, usually, the strap that's inside oh, yeah. your transmitter that is putting pressure on your collective, you uh, could use that with some Mag's Mother Polish and or Mother's Mag Polish and give that a good shine. And then, uh, you know, put some really light uh, grease in there. Um, the other one i find i use it for often is um, a lot of our canopies aren't uh aren't drilled exactly pro exa- exact because um, you're dealing with fiberglass you're dealing with a mold so i actually many times i'll use the dremel to work with me in moving the hole um, because using a uh, a body reamer like you'd use like, like you get for rc cars it doesn't work well for moving holes around it works well to make a a good round hole, but not for moving the hole. <laughs>
2: yeah. I usually get out one of the tungsten carbide I've got a for little that.
0: sanding stone. Yeah.
2: At low speed. Yeah, the sanding stone yeah, does it. I got a little burst. sanding it stone that's speed. got a
0: nice uh got a nice uh round radius to it so that um I can I can, you know, move it in. I can move it in and make the hole bigger, or just you know, use it to make a move the whole hole. <laughs> What other tools are we forgetting?
2: I mean, there's a big list. I might as well just make an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, I mean,
0: I'm, I'm thinking about things that are, you know, the extra. These are things I usually end up dragging out during builds, and they get put away. Um,
2: Ooh, crimp tools. Crimp people tools, like to make yeah. their own harnesses. Or... The, the number of times I've used that, uh, like just this weekend, where I got an RPM sensor from uh, Shannon at Arling Fine Hellies, right? It's the Aligned one, and it only comes with the goofy. It looks like a JST yeah. series connector. Maybe PH, or or probably ZH, looks like. But, you know, the icon takes a Futaba, the 2.54mm pitch header pins. So. If I didn't have that, I'd be making some goofy soldered contraption or just going home. But, you know, with a, a crimp tool and a bag of crimps, that was a three-minute job. Strip the wire, put a new, yep. new proper connector uh, on there and go fly. I
0: know the other thing it's useful for is um, a couple of times I've messed up uh, the JSTXH connector on my batteries. Um, you know, you plug it in wrong and a cell shorts out. On another one, and you you blow a connector up. Well, uh, a crimp tool and some extra JST uh ends and pl- plastic ends, and the crimp on connector, and uh, <laughs> your battery's good to go.
2: That's the number of times yeah. I've got a phone call <laughs> like, "You're gonna be at the field this weekend, right?" Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I've <laughs> um, the way I've managed it is with parallel charging. And you 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 don't plug it in wrong, you get it just wrong where it quickly shorts out first for a millisecond. And you know the battery's fine, but the connector the connector one of your one of your one of your cells oh, yeah. connectors are absolutely shot. it's gone. it's melted.
2: Yeah, the battery can handle that kind of current no problem, but the the little plastic connector yeah, it XH, melts. It's So not meant for I actually that,
0: it have melts. extra 6s jSTXH connectors in. Uh, the plastic and the and the uh, crimp on ends and I have a crimp tool with me pretty much all times.
2: I might as well <laughs> I might as well get my spreadsheet and post a copy of that for all the connector yeah. Digi Key part numbers. Uh, I have.
0: helping hands for soldering. Oh,
2: helping yeah. hands That's for soldering,
0: cool. uh, magnifying glass. If uh, if you're a guy who needs more light, uh, you know, you can get those little things you wear in your head, and you know, give yourself some light right there where you get your head pointed. Uh, metal, metal, uh, or a magnetic, uh, screw uh, or bolt holder bowls. You know, a bowl with a magnet in it. So you just throw all your bolts in and it keeps them in place. It sure mm-hmm. are. Those are useful. What else have we got there? Uh, you know, as a tool, I use is old motor shafts, old feathering spindles, and old, all the old shafts. I always keep one or two around. They work great with the arbor press. <laughs>
2: That's what I was mentioning earlier. Oh, what is it? It's, I actually think it's that that fancy forty dollar scorpion shaft that you you or yeah. Casey. One of you guys ordered it, didn't use it. And I think Casey just gave it to me. and He's like, yep. "Here, I don't I'm not, I don't have a use for it." It turns out it works perfectly for punching synergy old synergy <laughs> grip bearings.
0: Yeah, out. yeah, it definitely does. Uh, I've also found that the main shaft works great for it too. Yeah, because the forty five twenty five shaft on a scorpion's ten millimeter inside the motor and. So, so is so's the main shaft. So yeah, yeah, they they both work great for for moving bearings out of things. It's a it's a handy it, yeah. It's a, bearing, I wouldn't say yeah. it's a free tool, but uh you're likely to gain one at some point in this uh in this hobby.
2: <laughs> yeah. Or an old spindle or something. Um yeah.
1: another thing another another good thing to um to have is different variety set
2: of files. Files are useful, I go through those. I actually need to get a new set if Mine Files up. can
1: be used for as simple as grinding a uh, a flat spot on your motor shaft to in a little bit of carbon Best fiber. Writer. Well, yeah, I, I I use the Dremel on, on honestly for that, uh, and then I'll take the file to kind of round out the edges.
2: Files are good for rounding. Yeah, exactly. out nasty spots uh, on our carbon fiber. Also frame. the holes.
1: In it. And let's say, uh, Rob, I was with you and with my first is with the first E7SC. We um. Uh, we, we cut uh, the transmission wasn't yeah, quite, you know, holes. the gear mesh wasn't quite properly or wasn't perfect, so we actually just uh, kind of took uh, took the file, kind of made slits, you know, not slits, not big slits, but just enough where we can move the transmission a little bit better, a little bit further over to get a better gear mesh, and just by going in between the, the bolt holes in the frame. Did that on my yeah. 600 Pro back in the day.
0: Yeah, definitely uh, files. I also have wet, dry sandpaper. Um, I like using I like using wet dry sandpaper oh. on carbon fiber frame edges a lot more than files, because um, you got multiple grits of sandpaper, files are usually
2: just rough. <laughs> yeah, uh, like the files I've got, the one has a very, very fine pitch. I'll either use that or I'll use yeah. fine grain sandpaper. Uh, I like sandpaper. sandpaper. Otherwise, yeah. you just chew it up.
0: Yeah, I got sandpaper, and, and uh, it works really well. Um, oh! 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 Um, two tools. One, automatic center punch. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, for those of us who are familiar with Synergy, uh, we have to drill our own holes in our boom to pin our booms, because um, it is a torque tube model. And the automatic center punch will make sure you put the mark where you need it so your drill bit doesn't slip off and make all sorts of nasty marks, and you put the hole where you mean to put the hole. Automatic center punch is helpful in that. Um, you know, the next item on there, so the automatic center punch, what was the other item? God, I was just thinking about it.
1: An aligned vacuum to clean up all the, the, the suck up all the debris and, and shavings you have all on the table.
0: Yeah, perfect use.
1: Exactly, yes.
0: And w- Oh, now I know what I was talking about. Now what I was thinking about. Okay, uh screwdrivers so we all grew up uh most of us grew up we just you know it's a philips screwdriver uh philips is not a name it's a standard and philips exactly philips is not a standard used in asia Phillip they sucks. use jis japanese industrial standard
2: going on record now Phillip yes sucks.
0: jis is better however
2: Go get some Weehaw. Wee-ha. and uh,
0: I have, what is it, Moody? Actually. I have mine. Moody. I have Moody. Um, but basically, uh, you know, those servo, the, the servo horn uh, screws you're seeing, they're not Phillips, they're GIS. And a proper JIS driver will remove those a lot easier than a Phillips. And uh, tell all your RC car friends, because this was where I learned about it and everyone came running to me every time they had a stripped-out GIS screw because they have been grinding away at it with a Phillips like an idiot.
2: <laughs> I'm just the guy who goes to McMaster and buys a bucket load of 3x6 and 2.5x6. Metric. Yes. <laughs> Socket <laughs> definitely, and Definitely,
0: definitely.
2: Um... Oh, God. I hate. Well, you know what, though? Flip side here, it makes it very easy. If you wanted to, you could... Hulk Hogan out on those things and trash your servos. Yes. Which brings me to point B on this tangent: torque wrenches, cheap ones. You don't need to get crazy-ass expensive, insane stuff. You can drop like a hundred bucks on a nice Weehaw <laughs> handle or something similar and a bag of tips.
0: Mike, uh, yeah, that Weehaw is kind of crazy expensive at a hundred dollars.
2: I mean, all right, all right, crazy expensive for me is the Torque Controls Inc. torque driver I've got, and that thing was like 40 Woo-hoo! bucks. Okay, fair. Fair point.
0: You know what's you don't want to know it's crazy? We all missed out on it, but Weehaw makes a digital inch pound torque Ooh. driver.
1: <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> I
0: <have seen> that. <laughs> and it records yes. how many times it's been done so you know when to do maintenance on it. And it's what? priced at 300 dollars
2: nice. Oh, let's get three of those. Yeah. You know, the machinists in our listening group are like, that ain't nothing. Sure.
0: Um, yeah, I was talking about torque wrenches earlier, and and really the, the the proper nomenclature is torque drivers. There's only like one thing in our whole damn model that could deal with a torque wrench, and that's the feathering
1: spindle.
2: Nah, man. Y- y- you need that half inch drive 16 no, inch. No, 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 no. You need everything. a two
1: inch wrench handle, man. Two inch diameter, two foot long wrench. Come on now. You use it for your locomotives. You just need to tighten up your blade bolts with no, that. No, he, you he
0: need to. He need Half to go stop drive. off in the rest area and go ask the truck driver for the, to the four foot cheater bar. <laughs> oh
1: God!
2: Like like a three quarter inch drive. let <laughs> just tighten this up real quick. <laughs> yeah, Good. I... You know, I run my blades a little tight. You know. <laughs> Guess why I see a cool truck. I'm about to snap a helicopter into <laughs> a torque wrench.
0: We actually have a uh, crescent wrench. Not a crescent wrench. Uh, it's an open-ended box wrench at work. It's like two feet long. We actually use it as a as an exercise item. <laughs> or a challenge to see who can hold it up the longest in front of them.
1: You know, another one, another tool that uh, a lot of people doesn't even consider it as a tool, but it's in the name, but it's a Soko Heli tool. But that's for setup and stuff. That's always good to have for setup.
0: Oh, that reminds me. Uh, you mentioned um, the calipers earlier. Uh, the other thing is to get the, uh, you know, FBL rotors makes it, and it is a, uh, it's a, a little ball link. Uh, yes, yes, posts yes. that you attach I on your those. calipers, so you can do precision measurements for your ball links.
1: Figure that you were going with. Yes, I, have, I love those things. They're amazing. I, I, was funny. Is yep. I actually got them when I bought my T Rex six hundred Nitro. For the longest time, I did not know what the hell they were. They were just these weird little, like, long pieces with with threads on them. I was like, I don't know what these are used for. Are they use for like fuel line, but there's no way the, the the thread doesn't go all the way through. I did not know for the longest time until I got a caliper, and then I was like, "Wait a minute!" And I just it clicked. I put it on there, and then I, I and it was like, "This looks like something for a ball link." I put that on there, I was like, "Holy crap, it works!" And it, you can get exact measurements with your ball links. It's the ama- most amazing little attachment for a caliper ever. I Love it.
0: Yep. Uh good stuff. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was just actually. I just got mine a bit ago, uh, a week ago. A friend of Lamont actually hooked me up. Well, can anyone else think of any tools we want to talk about besides hex drivers?
2: Set <laughs> of ball end wrenches.
0: Ball end wrenches. I'm confused, Mike. Go for it.
2: Oh, ball end Allen keys. Oh. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, the
2: the ones that uh, the Chris wrench. and I. Yeah, the one that uh, well, Weihao makes a nice little seven piece or six piece set that you can get on Amazon for yep. like seventeen bucks, and uh, Chris Olson and I guard that thing like gold because they walk <laughs> on fun flies. Yeah. And then there's also a ooh, there's also a Bondhu set on Amazon, for that also includes the SAE stuff as well, yep. in case. And that's like twenty five or thirty dollars. So that's a good deal. And it's nice to have two metrics because spindle bolts. Yep. Which yes. also reminds me if you can find one, yes. a good one way bearing tool for spindle bolts. You said spindle, spindle yes. I was like, Yes,
0: grippy. Usually friends still have grippies around you usually you can still find a friend who has one and borrow it past that. I know I think links and a line make,
1: uh, make them yes.
0: A tool to hold uh feathering spindles. Yep, or another place I find it useful is a tail output shaft. Uh, but you have to be careful there because the one-way bearing can be harder than the shaft and leave dents in it. Oh wow! Uh, any other tools?
1: Yep. Uh, grease gun.
0: Uh, yeah. I know we usually use the Bodo lube tool. Um, I do enjoy a proper grease gun. Bicycle it's a lot store. Easier to use on the hands, but bicycle store or a bicycle shop online. Um, uh, the company, you know, a company that makes really nice bicycle tools is Park Tool Company. Um, and you can find them at various bike shops, but they make tools that are Apple Gold in our area. Uh, one of the tools that guys see I carry around in my toolbox is a three-way metric wrench. A star wrench. Uh, I use it for my bicycle days, and it works really well for taking blades on and off.
1: It'll also work on your 700 and on the N556.
0: <laughs> Any other tools? Oh, scale. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a nice digital yeah. scale. That's uh, a good one. A, gra- a, grams, a gram scale, something that does zero to a thousand grams in at least uh, in at least a tenths place.
2: Actually, you know what? You know what? Two scales. Get a gram scale yeah. that's accurate. The grams are less. And... Uh, Same place, Amazon, again, American Weigh Scale makes a really nice uh, posted certified scale for like $25. It's accurate down to plus or minus two grams and goes up to 50 kilograms. Wow. And uh, that gets used a lot. And there's some funny pictures floating around with me with the jet on its back with a pillow and some other nonsense trying to get a weight on the jet. And then, I mean, for weighing helicopters, it's (laughs) awesome. Or if you gotta send stuff to people.
0: Yeah, to I bought both my scales at Harbor Freight. Um my zero to a thousand, I actually have a, a five hundred gram scientific weight to do calibration with. And then the other one Eh from comparing weights on things it looks to be really close. So I'm not too I'm not that worried about weight. I guess the bigger thing I've run into talking with friends is a gram scale that'll get into hundredths place, uh, will, will help the OCD in you. If you don't care, then the tenths place on a gram scale is just fine. <laughs> uh, prop balancer. That's another tool to have.
1: For a clutch stack um, stuff. You can use stuff. it
0: for clutch stack and also for your tail hub, tail hub and blades. Make sure that's all balanced. Um, That'll be, you know, you can check and see that right off the bat and start understanding why your tail's humming is, uh, check and see how well balanced your tail hub and tail blades are on a, on a prop balancer.
1: Well, I can think of, um, it's not a, t- it's not a tool, but the, but it's something that can, that would be helpful for like on your work table or any, or storage or anything like that. And it's those, um, those tackle fishing box, uh, organizers. They are, you know, you get one of those, you get a whole bunch of those. Put all your parts in there. Keep them all organized. Oh, yeah. Organizing. Yes. Um,
0: yeah. Little Plano cases.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The Plano cases. Also the stackable yep. um, uh, containers where you can put like, you know, like scrapbook and stuff in there. You just put put them in separate drawers and cabinets. Uh, you just keep them everything all separated. Uh, those those seem to work really well. Keep, keep them screws separated, you know, different size screws. I have containers that have multiple, um, you know, metric size screws uh, and also standard for, you know, those other things uh but all you know all size whether it's flathead, head button head socket head and everything like that so yeah basically a bunch of organizers organizing bins for everything <laughs>
0: well uh we got anything else
1: probably can think of stuff in like next five minutes but uh yeah no i'm good
0: well i'm gonna take it towards close
2: out close it out <laughs>
0: So for closeout. Upcoming events we are attending.
1: Things to do in the air.
0: First up is the 2018 Super Pole at RC Hellies Only. Um you can find that on Flight Deck.
1: Oh, it's available on there?
0: Uh yeah, they put themselves on Flight Deck already if I if I was uh, uh if memory serves me well enough. <laughs> yep. Next event is the RCHO 2018 Super Bowl, and they have that going on April 20th through the 22nd at uh, RC Helis Only in Nightdale, North Carolina. Yeah, it's a good fun event. Uh, friends and everything uh, usually go down there for a day or two and uh, hang out and uh, shoot autos. <laughs> um, that's the next event happening in April. Happening in April that we're going to as a fun fly. Uh, I do know that Huntsville and... Birmingham, Birmingham's coming up, Birmingham's coming up and Huntsville's coming up for you guys down in the South. Um, So definitely check them out and uh, get out there. Uh, Last but not least, uh, we have our 2018 heli calendar spreadsheet on uh, Google Drive and there's a link in Facebook. So definitely check it out if you're uh, in the area, think about hitting events up or you want to give us an event you want us to put on there or tell us about an event you think we can attend.
1: Thank you.
0: Anyone got anything else for closeout?
1: I'm sure there was something else I wanted to mention, but eh. So, with that said, I guess we are uh, pretty much done for the day. Talked all you want to talk. Talk about tools and other uh, stuff. Workstations and everything else you should do to put your helis together and uh, not smash them on the desk. Hopefully.
0: <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, if you got any... Um... If you got any, uh, if you got, if you if you need to contact us, you got, uh, you want to tell us more, more uh, some more items we can stick in our uh, tool cases or on our workbench. Uh, give us a shout. Uh, past that, I'd like to thank you all for listening and uh, have a good one.
1: Have a good night, guys. Mike, play musical parts.
2: Later. Bye, dangerous.
0: <laughs> From all of us at Telerotor RC Podcast, thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you on the field. You can find us online on Facebook.com at RC Podcast or on Podbeam. Welcome to the bloopers for this episode. We recommend you listen to them in private as the audio is loud and the subject matter a bit sophomoric. Enjoy. It's yeah. still
1: just sitting in the clubhouse. Is it one of those uh, powered, powered uh, kites?
0: Skype's skibling him so bad.
2: I love Skype sometimes.
0: Um. Oh my gosh. But next up, uh, a new transmitter from Futaba. I was just actually looking.
2: Oh, Futaba. Futaba. I was actually just.
0: Uh, oh my god! <laughs> you all.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Futaba. Uh, it's Stop the
0: name! I'm trying to talk, and you keep talking over top of me. Futaba. Um. Futaba. Next up is a soldering iron.
1: The best thing on the planet for this helicopters.
0: <laughs> hey, DePaulo. you're the EE. Give us some lowdown on the soldering iron we should have on our tool bench.
1: That's right. Go for it, Mike. <laughs>
0: is the lag that bad, Mike?
1: Did we lose him? Hey, actually, you know, I was lagging really badly. Now I'm up to a millibyte per second. A millibyte. Finally, I reached a millibyte. Millibit. Whatever. Yeah, it's
0: actually kilobit.
1: Holy crap, I just peaked at 7.5 now. Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, now I went back to 800 so- kilobytes. Dang it.
0: DePaulo.
1: Grumpy,
0: sleepyhead.
1: Well, okay. guess we'll skip that one.
0: I'll give him soldering iron. I'm move. I'm gonna yes. move around for a second. I'm, I'll come back to that one.
2: And I lost connection.
0: He's so robot. The robot's robot.
2: You know, the funny thing is, people listening on this at home have no idea how robotic like Robo Man he sounds right now because.
0: Well, that on, and what? they have no idea because we all do our own separate recordings. Yeah,
2: yeah that's what I'm saying. And they'll, they won't know the, the amazing lag. <laughs> um.
1: You know, wh- one other thing that's not...
0: You hear me, Shaggy?
1: Sorry, Dad was banging on the door. Good gosh. Trying to was talk, he's he's trying to freaking, talk to you, be freaking like hammering the freaking window. Uh, no, he's trying. He's freaking working on the bathroom. So that that time when you moved the toilet, yeah, they've removed everything now. So, <laughs> and I'm told, I told him, and he like, like he just came in. I, told him, I was like, I'm trying to record. He's like, Oh, okay. Now he's starting freaking hammering on the on the freaking bathroom, which is like next to my door. Oh gosh.